different things that you could do to build a play toolkit is get connected, talk to people about what they do to play and have fun. Maybe remember what you enjoyed doing when you were a younger person and you can modify that. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarko.com. I'm really delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair again by Elaine O'Brien, who's not just an author and PhD graduate, but a professor of positive psychology. She is a leading light in the whole area of positive aging, human movement psychology, fitness science and the body. Her doctoral research looked at a new model of a term called zesty aging. And the reason I've got Elaine back on the podcast today is to talk about her new book, The Power of Play, Optimizing Your Joy Potential. And to learn more about this wonderful book and indeed Elaine's work, check out her website, elaineobrienphd.com. Elaine, welcome to the, to the podcast. What a treat to be with you. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark. I mean, I love that term zesty aging, Elaine. Just tell me what, what you mean by that. So um, for zesty aging, what I mean uh, would be to approach life with vitality, which I know you know something about from your book, <laughs> fabulous um, work. And um, so it's about being open to new experiences, to have, um, again, vitality and zest, a quality that we tend to like lose a little bit as we get older, but mm. we find it a lot in children. So it's about embracing that part of our spirit and um, our goodness. And um, I got the opportunity to speak on zesty aging as an invited um, alumni speaker for the uh, University of Pennsylvania Master of Applied Positive Psychology program in honor of our founder, Dr. Marty Seligman's 80th birthday. So it was so great to be able to talk about the work that I've done um, in looking at positive, active, older people, but again, developing that quality of zest through the adult lifespan is really powerful. I've got such admiration for Marty Seligman, uh, you know, and I remember, I think one of his most famous quotes, you can't change the experience, but you can change the explanation. And I really think his work on learned optimism and authentic happiness and well-being is just, just extraordinary. Elaine, that brings me nicely to your wonderful new book, The Power of Play, Optimize Your Joy Potential. And I'm reminded of that wonderful Irish writer, George Bernard Shaw, who once said, 
you know, we don't stop playing when we grow old. We grow old when we stop playing. Talk to me about the power of play and why it's important for us to pay attention to this really important topic called play. Well, thank you for that. Um, and we actually use that quote in the book, along with other really inspiring quotes. And I think that is a beautiful quote. Um, play keeps us fresh. It helps our mental health, mm -hmm. our physical health, spiritual health. It helps us to grow as people with the new experiences. It opens us up to the possibility of more socialization. It helps us feel more confident. And again, I think it's something that as we get older and we tend to become more serious about life that we kind of don't prioritize play. And it's such um, an important part of our everyday um, well-being. Why do you think that is, Elaine? Why, why do adults get all serious and, you know, poo-poo the idea of play as that? Well, that's for people that aren't important or people that aren't busy. Yeah, I mean, there are barriers to play. I mean, sometimes we can say, oh, we're too busy or maybe um, we can't afford to play. Or I think time is really a factor, right? But if we can integrate and assimilate play as part of our whole being, right? Being more playful, as I know you are, um, Mark, you um, you have the gravitas of a scholar, right? And a medical doctor, but yet you have this lightheartedness that makes you so like attractive as a human being. So that's one thing, right? It, it makes us attracted and attractive to people. We become interesting because we're interested in maybe trying new experiences. If we even think of um, Dr. Seligman's PERMA model, we can tie in play to positivity. That's a, a model of flourishing or well-being. And P-E-R-M-A stand for positive emotions, which play does offer um, engagement, which we can try and think of new ways to, um, to be in the world, right? To have more um, engagement and also just to, again, try things. So there's the amount of novelty. We can build our positive relationships that are in the PERMA model through play by um, just like either a relationship with our own body, right? To whether we're going to do something more stimulating mentally, like play a game of chess or do something more physical, like go for a, a fun bike ride or a hike or go plogging where you're running on the beach or walking on the beach and picking up litter. Um, the relationship with the environment as well. We can create meaning in play, right? By doing using our healthy body to help ourselves and others. And we can feel achievement or co confidence through play. So I think it's, as I'm saying, it's very much worth pursuing. But again, as you asked, there are things that do get in the way of play. And again, having maybe a fixed mindset where we think, no, that's not something for us, rather than an open mindset where we're open to the possibilities of things that could happen. But flow, but you know, the flow state that they talk about, um, I think it was Chick sent me high, you know, this state of, I suppose, peak, peak performance, peak engagement, um, is that the essence of play or is play, does play have to be a state of flow? I don't think it does, but I think play can create flow. And as I was saying, um, in terms of the engagement piece and um, Seligman's perma theory of flourishing, I would say that uh, the flow part belongs right in with the engagement. But when we do things, um, especially that are um, make us like where we become one with the activity, 
it really does prime flow. So that state of flow is just like such a healthy feeling of well-being and you become bigger than you are as an individual. So yes, certain types of play do prime uh, flow for sure. And that's a great question. I, I see in the book, you talk about uh, something that really caught my eye, a daily dose of play being helpful to our well-being. And you talk about the value of a play toolkit. What is a play toolkit, Elaine? Why is it helpful? And, you know, how could somebody go about building their own personal play toolkit into their everyday life? Yes, um, a play toolkit is a great way to start. So if we think of being proactive, right, um, we can think of ways, uh, all the different ways to play. And again, in our book, we talk about spontaneous activities. So these are fun, mm. spontaneous activities that you can try, that you can adopt to your life and personalize to your well-being. That's so a word, even, new, word, new word for me today, spontaneous. Spontaneous. <laughs> oh, yes. And it, it's and I'm using it more. I'm finding I was talking to somebody the other day about something that was fun and spontaneous and it kind of popped out. So that was a great discussion about it. It's um, so in one of the things we have um, in our book is have a, a jolt of joy jar. So you can think mm. of things that make you happy and put them in a jar and then maybe you could pick one out and just enjoy some kinds of play. Um, so different things that you could do to build a play toolkit is get connected, talk to people about what they do to play and have fun. Maybe remember what you enjoyed doing when you were a younger person and you can modify that. What did you love to do? Maybe you might have a feeling something you didn't like to do. So even just raising the awareness can help to direct you in some of the many, many ways of you can play. You can learn from your experiences again, as I said, by what you, um, but what you enjoyed or didn't enjoy, or maybe find meaning in it. Um, what you want to do is try and take care of yourself, right? When you're building your toolkit, think of things that would make um, you feel good. What nourishes you? What could make mm. you flourish in the world? And just to be proactive, as I said, to maybe think ahead about what you'd like to do and, and even write a joy journal. And one thing we, we have is a, a um, and I'd love to make this available for your listeners, is um, a free ebook and it's called the PowerPlay Fun Tracker. And in it, there are a whole bunch of activities from the book with descriptions on how to do them and you can check them off. So again, that could be part of your play toolkit as well. Very, very interesting. And I'm sure um, listeners will find that very valuable. Have you any insight, Elaine, into, you know, what's the minimal effective dose of play? I mean, in terms of research on nature now, they talk about the minimal effective dose being about two hours a week, that if you spend about at least two hours a week in natural environments, you'll enhance your your overall, begin to over, enhance your overall well-being. And is it a case that we should have one designated time for play during the week? Or would you be more an advocate of sort of what I often term micro moments of of fun throughout your day um, or, or combinations of the above? Or what do you think about that? Yeah, I love that question too, um, Dr. Mark. I, I think thinking of uh, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson's um, mm work on the micro moments is fascinating. And if we can build those moments into play, um, I know uh, I was at the getting a mammogram last week and I um, 
was we were laughing my, my my the technician and i and it's you know sometimes it could be a scarogram but we we just like definitely had a moment at lightness playing together in odd moments can really bond people together can lift your spirit and when i left the technician looked at me and she said you made my day today but just you know so it's we can use our healthy body one of the things in my practice is to help yourself and to help others that we can lift each other up so um, again, to answer your question, I think to schedule dates is really good. My co-author's um, son has a, a daily, a, a, I'm sorry, a monthly, I believe it is, Monopoly game where he gets together with his friends and play. So that gives you that anticipatory savoring of something really special and fun to look forward to. And then that with the micro moments, I think that you're pretty covered right? To try and build play in every day that you can. And can I just say one more thing too? I love that you brought up the nature. And one thing we talk about is research in um, the UK that was called No Child Left Inside. And I wrote about this in my University of Pennsylvania, um, a Master of Applied Positive Psychology capstone. And again, that we're realizing that being out in nature is one of the most wonderful Mm. things that do. And one of our chapters is about being an environmental explorer. So um, yeah, if you can be more playful in moments during the day, and then have set times to look forward to, I think that you're in good shape with play. I love that term, you know, no child left inside, because I do really believe getting outdoors, reconnecting with nature every chance you can, um, is a wonderful way to to de-stress and build inner creativity and 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 positivity and and so on and i mean i think that's so important nowadays elaine i mean there's there's so much i suppose toxic stress in the world um so many people suffering from i suppose gratitude deficiency or you know negative comparison and um you know comparison is the thief of joy as they say um so what are the strategies you'd recommend to bring more joy and fun into your everyday life. Yeah. I love what you just said. I think it's so important, you know, that um, people are are suffering. We've been through a lot collectively as a world. And I think what you said about deficiency and gratitude, that can really bring you down. Whereas Mm. if you have that feelings of awe, even right inspiration that we find as we talked about in nature or in our humanity, it can really lift us up. And I know the Greater Good Science Center um, is doing great work around like really lifting up how important awe is, how important those feelings Mm. of wonder are to be able to savor moments, to have that luxury in good feelings. It can really um, move the dial on our well-being. And I think right now play, it seems like we've got to balance out just as we in positive psychology, we, we, before when we used to look at things from negative point of view, look at psychology from stress or, or from fear or different things. And now we're looking at strengths and we're looking at resilience and, and just being, having an open mindset. So I think play is a really good offset to the, some of the negativity that we've seen. It's a real imperative, I believe, to to strategize, to add more play to your life and your world. Mm. In a way, it's it's actively recharging from stress. And um, people sometimes think about recharging from stress in terms of, you know, getting away from their job or, um, 
just having some quiet time, but really what you're advocating is a, is a more active engagement with that recharge process using utilizing play. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, play can be more quiet as well, right? You could play a game and it could be more quiet or it could be more active. And what you want to do is find the sweet spot along with trying different things if you like. Um, but I think that the proactivity part of it to believe, like to have that mindset and to value play is so important to not just say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to just keep working because it's really important. Um, what do they say? All work and no play, right? It's, it's not a good thing. So again, you mm-hmm. might show up more um, uh, with more well-being for your family or at work or just in your life by, by as you said, like generating uh, more play and creativity. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, you know, reading about, you know, Einstein's theory of, of relativity, you know, he was actually playing, he was being playful. I remember reading he was he was bouncing up on the on the back of a cart uh, in Bern when he when he looked at the clock and, and imagined, uh, you know, relativity changing in terms of time. So people can become quite creative when they are being playful. And I suppose you know, traditionally we would look at sort of the left brain, right brain, you know, the left brain being the logical um, scientific center, whereas the right brain would be more sort of creative, you know, creative and artistic and and playful. Uh, I suppose that's a really simplistic way of looking at it, but I suppose we do work best when both parts of our brain are joined up in a sort of integrated, interrelated, uh, interdependent manner. I love that. And play can promote executive function. It can promote neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, right? Depending on what we do, it opens, it's great for our brain through our lifespan. So again, that play can have a protective factor. Again, as we said, in reducing distress and maybe giving us more use stress, good stress, achievement, well-being, um, it engages us. So yes, I love what you're, I love your questions, Dr. Mark. Elaine, I note in the book as well, you wrote about Dr. Norman Cousins' Anatomy of an Illness. Why was it important for you to include that? Um, so when when I was an undergraduate um, many years ago, I, I learned about uh, Dr. Norman Cousins, who had written that Anatomy of Illness when he had a neurodegenerative disease after a very stressful um, trip to Russia, um, mm. per the story. And what happened was he was um, did not have a good prognosis. Um, and what he did was he talked to his doctor about like checking himself out of the hospital and into a hotel across the street where he surrounded himself with humor. He watched like the Marx Brothers and he had guests in and fun and just like so much. And he was actually cured himself. So it's um, he came up with the idea of, uh, I, I believe it came up with the idea of psychoneuroimmunology, right? So that you what you think and what you surround yourself with. And of course, he's still working with his, his medical professional, his doctor, but just that whole reframe of mm. like light up and valuing humor and surrounding yourself lifted him up and he was able to uh, improve his health and check himself out of the hospital eventually. So it's just so inspiring to know that our good humor can really help us with our health as well. And, and Elaine, in terms of, you know, spicing up loving relationships and nurturing friendships, how do you believe a play mindset helps you here? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. That's one of the favorite parts uh, in the book is about the intimacy and um, and sex for, you know, as, as play. So I think that, you know, for friendships, it's really important. Those platonic friendships, we can play with somebody on the pickleball court and maybe go for a cup of tea afterwards or just like uh, you make plans with people. And, and it just like is so valuable to be able to have um, dates again, to look forward to spending time and building friendships. And lots of times when you play, your guard goes down or if you're competitive or you can have a laugh together with a mate, it's just brilliant because you're just lighthearted. And even if you're playing to win, it's still, you have that good crack, as you would say, I think, right? Just the fun um, part of this is really important if you approach it with a play or open mindset. And I say around intimacy, um, if you could have like more fun with your loved one, um, being playful, um, we give some ideas in the fun tracker and also in the book about ways that you can make it um just a more sensual um, experience that's zesty, um, as we've talked about zest really being fun and sparkly and kind of just really opening you up and your partner up to new ways of being maybe in the bedroom and beyond. So it's it's definitely um, something worth pursuing. The power of play indeed. And <laughs> you, you also talk, Elaine, about uh, turning the mundane into the magnificent. Well, I mean, what a line. yeah so you know even if you're brushing your teeth or doing something like that i'm on this new thing where i'm trying to do a lot more squats as functional fitness in the day since i stopped teaching dance fitness and um so i'll brush my teeth and do squats and it just makes both of them more fun in some ways i mean i certain things you can't do but if you can look at maybe even um, if you're doing something like laundry, you could do it like for speed. How fast can you fold your clothes? <laughs> or you can have a race with your partner about how, how many things you can clean in the house within five minutes. So you can just make play um, part of your everyday um, life and, you know, the chores that you have. Maybe you can make um, gamify them or add a little bit more fun into them. Brilliant. And you talk about uh, playing for peace and playing it forward. What what do you mean about those terms, Elaine? Thank you for asking about that. I think it's really important to think about how can we serve others in the world. And Mm. as I said, one of my ideas in my practice is to, again, use your healthy body to help others. So it's about inspiring. And a lot of times, you know, people are looking at us without our knowing. So if we can be kind and, you know, playful and helpful, we can really again, play it forward. We can bring food to somebody maybe in need. Um, I saw a great clip yesterday about a man who made about two dozen waffles and he was serving them to homeless people. And the joy that radiated from Mm -hmm. him was immense. It was just such a beautiful thing. And I know that um, the group, the brilliant group Action for Happiness in the UK, they're doing um, great work. Vanessa um, is one of the people, um, Vanessa King, um, who was a MAP grad, and she has this acronym, Great Dream. And it's about, again, playing it forward. How do we use our our instruments to, again, create a better world um, and, and a good world? And in terms of a piece, I know Marie Montessori, the great educator, talks about how we train, we teach people, but we don't teach people about peace and how important that is in the world. Mm. I wanted to really um, include her 
her brilliant work in our book about um, valuing peace. And again, when you're playing, it's hard. You can, you know, it's hard to be angry, right? If you're playing, maybe mm. for most people, I think it's just, it's just a beautiful way to approach the world mm. again, using play for enjoyment, but also for meaning that eudaimonic kind of um, strategy to mm. improve meaning in our lives. It's kind of like gratitude as as an antidote to feelings of anxiety or tension or hostility. Play becomes, I think, similarly an antidote to anger or, or negativity. It's really the yang to the yin, isn't it? Yes, I love that. It's well said. That's brilliant. Yes. And finally, Elaine, you know, what would one small thing be? for our listeners who are thinking about trying to bring more, you know, more play and some of these messages into their lives starting today, what would be one small thing they could do to provide them with evidence that they were committing to that more playful, zesty version of themselves? Oh, I think even considering the question, right? How do you become Mm. more zesty and playful? Um, I think most people would like that. And again, I think that when you think about zesty and playful. Those are the people that you want to hang out with. Those are the people you want to be with. So to embody that is such a beautiful joy. And then just wrapping up briefly to go back to that perma model of flourishing, right? How does play make you feel more positive? How does it feel you make you feel more engaged or in mm. flow? What are the relationships that you might be able to like uh, enjoy through play? How can we have more meaning through play? And then what, what do we achieve? Will we feel more confident? Will we maybe make a business connection? we'll be be able to like make the world a better place through our play so i think those are things to consider and even just thinking about play um is so important so i can't thank you enough for for inviting me here today with you well elaine it's been wonderful having you on the podcast the power of play optimize your joy potential by dr elaine o'brien elaine keep playing keep leading (laughs) and keep inspiring so many others around the world um, to work and more importantly, to play. Thank you so much for being in the doctor's chair. Thank you, Dr. Mark. What a treat. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.